Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. All right, how's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, as Brian said, my name's Ben Moss. I'm the college pastor here at Christ Fellowship. I get to hang out with a bunch of passionate world changers. Uh, believe that I have the greatest privilege in the world to be the college pastor here at Christ Fellowship. So before we jump in, uh, I want to make a few notes for you. The first one, if you're planning on following the sermon notes in your bulletin, uh, the sermon notes have changed, so uh, you want to take notes somewhere else. Uh, the second one uh, is uh, just about our nation right now. Uh, we've got a lot that is going on in our world. And I just want to say here that our hope has forever been and will for always be in the person of Jesus. And we're going to continue to be a people who put our hope in Jesus no matter what. The final uh, thing that I want to encourage you to be a part of right after second service this morning, our college students are putting on uh, a fundraiser for their spring break trip to Tijuana, Mexico. All right, come on. And uh, it's going to be a $5 requested donation. There'll be some taco soup. It's going to be awesome. Encourage you to bring your family, stop by uh, and grab some taco soup before you head on out for the day. All right. Well, we have been in a series uh, the last few weeks uh, called Welcome Home. And we've been talking about realigning different parts of our lives to God's purpose in 2017. This morning, I want to invite you into the conclusion of our series to welcome home to the God of breakthrough. Welcome home to the God of breakthrough. And my hope for you this morning is that those of you who are needing a breakthrough in your lives, whether it's small or big, that you would leave today with a reignited passion that God wants to break through and that your hope would be restored for this year, 2017. And for those of you who have never considered that there is a God that wants to break through in your life, that today you would leave seeing God's love and purpose for you more clearly. You know, I realize that all of us at one point in our lives have probably asked the question, can God break through? I mean, can God really break through? And I've, I know for me, when I was in college, that was a real question that I had as I journeyed through a struggle with depression. And the deal with depression is that it robs us of life and kind of strips us of hope and it makes us feel like we, we can't really get out. And there were days that I felt that way. But if it hadn't been for community and more importantly, the love and grace of Jesus Christ, I wouldn't have broken through. And this morning, I know that some of us have a barrier in our lives that maybe is preventing us from walking in the fullness that God has in store for us. And as we journey together, my hope is that as we see the grace of God revealed through His Son, Jesus, that we would begin to break through. So I'm going to talk about six different uh, uh, barriers in our lives that I believe come up and surface in our walk with Jesus. The first one is the wall of fear. Maybe for you, it means that you're gonna live with anxiousness and worry in your life. 
Maybe it's a fear about the future or something traumatic that happened to you in the past. Maybe it's the fear of losing a loved one or the fear of not being able to provide for your family. Or maybe it's just the common everyday fear of not having enough time to get everything done in the day that you want to. I know that I struggle with that one. And as a result, this wall of fear can become a little barrier in our lives. And maybe it's not fear for you, but it's the wall of performance. Because the wall of performance says that I have to strive more and do more and achieve more in order to win the approval of my peers and feel like I really have a place in life. And maybe that little wall of performance becomes a barrier between you and God. Or maybe it's the wall of self-hatred. Because self-hatred says that I'll live my life from a place of insecurity and it asks the question, if only blank. If only I were smarter or more beautiful or funnier. If only I had more time or more money or more friends. If only so-and-so would accept me, then maybe I would feel like I fit in. Or only if I didn't get so frustrated or, ha- or be impatient sometimes. And what happens with self-hatred is that it can ultimately lead to feelings of shame. Or maybe for you, it's a wall of disappointment. Disappointment before man and disappointment before God. Because you know, I really put my hope in that person and, and they let me down. Or God, when I, when I really needed you to break through in my life, I, I felt like you weren't there for me. And that wall of disappointment becomes a little barrier. And maybe as a result of what's going on in your heart, whoa, our wall almost came down. Yee, that would have been really bad. It's a wall of unforgiveness, maybe, all right? Unforgiveness says, man, I'm going to be bound by anger and bitterness in my life. And as a result of that, I'm not sure if I can let that other person off the hook. And finally, maybe because of these different things that are going on in your world, you ultimately turn to the wall of addiction to find satisfaction. Maybe it's an addiction to drugs or to alcohol or For me, it was depression. Maybe it's sexual sin, or maybe it's just the internet or food, or maybe it's even just an addiction to work. I know for me, lots of times I find my identity in in my work and, and how successful I am and how much I'm achieving. And what happens, guys, these little barriers that are erected in our lives, whether they're through our own doing or a lie of the world or a lie of the enemy, they can form a wall and a gap that prevents us from walking in the fullness that God has made us for. And all of these things, what what happens sometimes is we begin to kind of attach ourselves to them to make us feel comfortable, to make us feel safe. I know for me, it was, you know, sometimes I just get so wrapped up in, in how much I'm doing and that becomes an addiction for me and I begin to find my source of identity in that. And for me, you know, I was just so disappointed in myself when I was struggling with depression and I couldn't forgive myself and I had shame. And to be honest with you, I was just scared. I wasn't sure if I was really going to get out. But here's the truth, guys. All of these little barriers that come up in our lives, they have two things in common. And the first one is that they're temporary. They're temporary. They don't last They come and they go for a short time, but in the end, they will not satisfy and ultimately give us what our heart desires. And the second one, even more important than that, is that they hinder our intimacy with our Father. 
And as these little barriers and distractions come up, it just becomes harder and harder and harder for us to see God clearly. But there is so much hope. There is so much hope. And as we journey together and dive into the Word of God, we're going to discover this morning together just how much there hope there, just how much hope there is for us. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Joshua six. We're going to be reading from a very popular passage, the Wall of Jericho. It's one of my favorites in the Old Testament. And as you turn in there, we're going to re, be reading from verses ten through sixteen and twenty. That's of Joshua six again. If you need it. And as you go there, I'm going to just give you a little context about what's going on here in this passage. The people of Israel have just crossed over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised them over 500 years ago. And after spending 40 years wandering in the desert, the people of Israel are finally about to inherit the promised land. Standing in their way, the unconquerable city of Jericho. Surrounded by a wall that was 11 feet high and 14 feet deep. But the strategy at taking the city of Jericho was different in two ways. And the first is that the strategy was laid out by God himself. And the second is that initially the plan God gave them seemed pretty foolish. Here were the instructions that God gave to Joshua. He said, Joshua, I want you to start marching around the city with your people quietly, don't say a word, six times. And on the seventh time that you go around, I want you to shout. And then I'm going to deliver the city to you. We're going to read this passage here, beginning in verse 10, Joshua chapter six. If you want to follow along with me, it says, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout and then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that it, on that day, they circled the city seven times. And the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the, sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. I want to give you three practical takeaways that I feel like we can apply to our lives about what it means to find breakthrough. And the first one is that breakthrough comes through acknowledging that there's a difference between God's ways and man's ways. There's a difference between God's ways and man's ways. Verse 10 of Joshua 6 says, but Joshua had commanded the army. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout and then shout. Man, you can imagine Joshua and his people, they start walking around the city and man, it's like, God, are you really gonna come through? Are you really gonna answer this prayer? 
And you can imagine too that the people in the city of Jericho, they were probably looking out over the wall and going, man, these people are crazy. There's no way God's going to deliver them. And in order to take you into just kind of the intensity of what this moment looked like in history, I have a video that I'd like to show you. Take a look. Amen. I guess you can say amen after that. Wow. Uh, well, you know, the people in uh, the, this story, they probably had a different experience in grape slushies being thrown at them, but you, you get the idea. They were marching around the city and probably putting their personal reputation on the line. Because, you know, they, they probably didn't look like warriors. They probably looked pretty ridiculous. But that was the instructions that God had given them. And there was probably just some fear of man that just began to surface in their hearts, asking the question, God, are you really going to come through? But here's the truth. When believing for miracles, sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense. When believing for miracles, sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make sense. And Jesus would follow that up in John 9 by going down on the ground and picking up some mud and spitting on it and rubbing it on a man's eyes so that he could see again. I had the opportunity about five years ago to be a a resident hall uh, leader at Baylor. And one of the experiences that I had was that as my residents were moving into the dorm, I would just begin to pray for them. And I remember uh, one day that there was a guy named Moses uh, who moved into the dorm. And uh, I felt like God said that I need to pray for Moses. I thought that was pretty appropriate. And uh, so I started to pray for him and pray for his life and that God would move. After about six months of, of us hanging out and spending some time together, he said, Ben, you know, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with me, but I just feel like I'm still trying to figure out this whole God thing, and uh, I think it's best that we not hang out anymore. You can imagine I was a little discouraged, and I went back to my dorm room, and I just began to pray, and I said, God, how would you lead me now? And I felt like God spoke to me so gently and said, Ben, you need to continue to pray for Moses. And I said, but Lord, uh, he just said no to me. I mean, that doesn't really make sense. And he said, no, Ben, you need to continue to pray for Moses. I found out a couple months ago that Moses is now the executive pastor and college pastor at Antioch's brand new church plant in Austin, Texas. Man, I'm thankful that God speaks. And I'm thankful that he allowed me to partner with him in seeing what he wanted to do released. It didn't make sense at the time, but God's ways are way higher than man's ways. And my responsibility was not to ask the question how, it was just to obey. When we're believing for breakthrough in our lives, it begins and ends with asking God, what is my next step of obedience? God, what is the next thing that I need to do? Second takeaway from this passage, breakthrough comes through worship. Breakthrough comes through worship. Verse 13 of this passage, Then the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark, while the trumpets kept sounding. Do you know that all throughout the Old Testament, any time that there was breakthrough for the armies of the Lord, the ark of the covenant would always go before them. And the Ark of the Covenant at that time was where the very presence of God would rest. There is breakthrough and victory in our lives when we invite the presence of God to draw near. 
couple years ago, I had the privilege of getting to go on a mission trip to Uganda. I think some of our youth will be heading there this summer. Come on. And uh, while I was there, I was out one day sharing the gospel and praying for some different people. And we ran into this woman uh, and we said, you know, is there any way we can pray for you? And uh, she said, well, I'm a Christian and uh, I don't need any prayer, but you can pray for my brother. He's been blind since he was three years old. And we said, oh, well, can we go and pray for him right now? And she said, well, uh, he actually lives a little bit away from here. Why don't you come back this afternoon and and I'll walk you there. So we walked about an hour and a half outside the city into this village. And we come in and these 20 Ugandan children just come running up to us and surround us. And man, it's an awesome, awesome picture. And we go into this little hut. And sure enough, here is this blind man. And you can see his eyes are completely glassed over and and he's blind. And we just begin to pray and say, God, would you... Bring your healing power, God. And we ask that this man's sight would be restored. We're not seeing any breakthrough, but the friend that I had taken with me, he was actually a worship leader. And he said, Ben, I feel like we're just supposed to start to worship and invite God's presence here. And we start to sing that famous song by Chris Tomlin, How Great Is Our God. They're, the kids are singing it in Lugandan and we're singing it in English. And as we start to worship The presence of God just fills this little hut. And tears just begin to come down this blind man's face. And I said, what's going on? And this huge smile comes across his face and he says, what's that brightness? I said, what do you mean what's that brightness? He says, I can see light. I haven't been able to see light since I was three years old. And I said, well, let's pray again. And we kept worshiping and we prayed again. And then he said, what are those shadows? And I said, he goes, uh, those, I can see the outline of people. And by the time that we were done praying for that guy, he could fully see in black and white. It was a miracle. It was an absolute miracle. But the reason I believe that that happened is because we invited God's presence to be there. There is breakthrough that happens when God's presence is a part of our lives. How are you cultivating the presence of God in your life and in your family? You know, the Bible says that thankfulness prepares the way of the Lord. So maybe for you, it's just setting aside 60 seconds in your day just to begin to thank God for everything he's done for you and invite his presence to be near. Some of you know that I had the privilege of getting to live with Jimmy and Laura Seibert for a couple of years in uh, Waco, the leaders of the Antioch movement. And one of the things that I loved about living in their house is that 24-7 they had worship music playing all the time. Because they wanted worship to be central to their family and to their household. One of the things that I love, one of the many things that I love about our church here, Christ Fellowship, is that I'll have visitors that either come to one of our college events or here on Sunday morning, and I'll say, what would you think? How did it go? And they'll say something along the lines of, man, I just felt something different in that place. That's God's presence. That's God's peace that wants to draw near to us. There's breakthrough that happens in cultivating God's presence in our lives. Final takeaway from this passage, breakthrough acknowledges the supernatural power of God. Verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Everything about this story here is supernatural. From the crazy instructions that God gives Joshua to this wall that comes a tumbling down, it's a supernatural intervention from the beginning to the end. 
Over winter break, I had the privilege of getting to help serve refugees in northern Greece. And right now, there's an unprecedented move of God that is happening among Muslim people groups that are coming to faith in Jesus. Just over the last month, our long-term team that's there on the ground has seen over 20 people give their lives to Jesus. It's It's amazing. God is moving in supernatural ways. And this winter, I had an opportunity to get just a little taste of the supernatural power of God. And uh, my, one of my students, Jack, and I, we were out in the, uh, one of the refugee camps, and we were sharing the gospel and, and praying for people, and we ran into this guy named Aziz. And Aziz had this big smile on his face, and uh, I just got to know him a little bit. And one of the things that we were trained to do was to ask the people we were sharing the gospel with if they've ever had a dream of a man dressed in white, because God's revealing himself in that way uh, right now in this moment in history. And uh, this kind of shocked look comes across his face. And I'm like, what do I do now? And so I asked him again. I said, have you ever had a dream of a man in white? And then all of a sudden, he just huge smile. And he goes, well, yeah, actually, last night. I said, oh, okay, that's encouraging. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about it? And he said, well, in my dream, what happened was my sister was standing in front of me. And next to my sister was this man who was glowing. And he had this long white robe on and his face was so bright. And I asked my sister, I said, sister, who's this man who's standing next to me? And she looked back at me and she said, this man is very good and very strong and you need to know him. And then he woke up from his dream. Woo, man, I was excited, you know. And uh, we weren't able to stay uh, for too long that, that day, so we came back the next day and we, we took the Bible and we went right to Revelation where it talks about Jesus being dressed in white robes and we read the scripture together and we said, Aziz, is, is this the man who came to you? And he looks back and he says, I am one million percent sure this is the man who came to me. We said, Aziz, God's trying to get a hold of your heart, man. He loves you so much and he's got a purpose for your life. We shared the gospel with him and at the end, gave him an opportunity to receive Jesus, and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. But here's the thing. We had been sharing the gospel for 10 days and not seen anyone come to know Jesus. But for whatever reason, God supernaturally intervened in Aziz's life. And you better believe it was a divine appointment that God had set up for us to be a part of. Having breakthrough comes through leaning into God's character that he is powerful and he wants to break through. Mm. I omitted one verse here from this passage that I want to share with you as we finish up this morning. And this is really the crux of this whole story. And it's about a woman whose name is Rahab. And Joshua 6.17 says this, only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. You say, well, what does that mean, Ben? Well, four chapters earlier in Joshua chapter two, Joshua sends some spies into the city of Jericho to try and figure out what's going on. And they run into this woman named Rahab who ends up hiding them from the king of Jericho who's out to to kill these spies. And as a result of that, the king, uh, the the spies tell uh, Rahab that they will spare her and her whole household. But the way that she needs to do that is that when the army of the Lord comes in to take the city, she needs to hang a scarlet cord outside the window of her house so that they'll know not to 
take that home. Joshua 2.21, agreed she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. What's the meaning of the scarlet cord? Well, first, it meant that Rahab, a Gentile woman, would receive redemption. And that redemption would ultimately be for all of God's people. And that someday there would be a Savior and a Messiah that would come. And that in the same way the scarlet cord was hung over that window, someday a Messiah would hang on a cross for you and me. So that we could experience breakthrough and freedom once and for all. You see, because Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because you see, guys, in Jesus, those places of addiction that we had, we can be free. And we can know that He breaks every chain off in our lives. And we can present our whole body as instruments of righteousness before the Lord. And know that by his stripes, we are healed. And that little barrier of unforgiveness that was up in our lives, looking to the example of Jesus, we find grace to forgive. And we let that person off the hook. And we don't just forgive them, but we bless them. Bless them to walk in the fullness that God has made them for. That God would pursue them with his love and his kindness and his mercy. And then we let go of resentment and anger and become a man or a woman who forgives 70 times seven. And that place of disappointment that was up in our lives in and through Jesus, we can have wholeness. Because wholeness says that God will never let me down. That I am an anointed and appointed son or daughter of the living King. That he carries all of my burdens and all of my sorrows on himself and I can receive that fullness as my identity. And that place that we struggled in our lives with self-hatred in and through Jesus, we can be confident. Because confidence says that I will receive the Father's unfailing love towards me. And confidence knows that I can give myself grace. Grace to fail because God's going to cover me. And finally, that place of performance, two more, that place of performance that was in my life in and through Jesus, I can be content. And I can receive the fullness of the rest that God has for me. And walk according to Psalm 116.7, which says, Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to me. And that place of fear that was in our lives, in and through Jesus, we can have security. Knowing that my past and my present and my future are held in His hands. And I can be a man who believes and trusts in 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, I haven't been given a spirit of timidity, but a power of love and of a sound mind. The truth is that 2,000 years ago, there was a man who came to this earth and he lived a life, a life that was without sin. And he allowed the blind to see and the lame to walk and the deaf to hear again. But the greatest miracle of all was that he died on a cross for you and for me. And when he did that, he looked up into heaven and he said three words. He said, it is finished. And then three days later, he rose back to life, defeating sin and death once and for all. So that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus could be secure and content and confident, could have wholeness and find grace to forgive and freedom in their lives. You see, guys, because when Jesus is central in everything that we do, these other parts, they're just an overflow of our relationship with him. He is the way, the truth, 
and the life, and there is no breakthrough apart from Jesus. So our worship team comes forward, and our prayer team, I want to invite you to be standing with me. We do this every Sunday. We go into a time of ministry. And I realize that as I've been sharing, for some of you, there have been some different emotions uh, that may have surfaced. And I started out by saying that uh, if you're here this morning, if you're needing a breakthrough, I believe with all my heart that God wants to restore your hope uh, that this year, 2017, can be that year where you find that breakthrough that you're so longing for. But I also said that maybe there's a group of people here who have never known this Jesus who has really broken into your world. So what I want to do is I would like to invite all of us to just close our eyes here for a few short moments. And if you would say that you have never chosen to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. And I'm going to count down from three. And when I get to one, if that's you, I'd like for you to just boldly raise your hand. And I want to pray for you just with everybody's eyes closed here. Three, Jesus is the name that is above every other name. Two, he died on a cross for you and he rose back to life, defeating sin and death once and for all so that you could be forgiven of your sins. Three, if you want to call on the name of Jesus for the first time in your life, I'd like for you to just raise your hand all across this room. Is there anybody here? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If that's you and your hands raised, I just encourage you to say this simple prayer after you can pray a prayer like this. You can say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I choose to turn away from my sins, God. And instead, I receive your grace and your forgiveness. Jesus, would you come and would you save me? I love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. That second group of people, if you're needing a breakthrough this morning, this place is for you. Would love to be able to pray for you, to minister to you in any way that you need. I'm going to pray, and then whatever your needs are, I invite you to come forward. God, thank you that you are the God who breaks through. God, I thank you that in and through Jesus, we can have the breakthrough that we long for and that we desire. We love you, Lord. Amen.